to be here this morning and to be able to, um, uh, to deliver the message that God has, um, has laid on my heart. Uh, we are in the third part of this series through uh, the little book of Jonah, and I want to encourage you, as I have uh, kind of the last few weeks, if you haven't had the opportunity to read through the entire book of Jonah, I want to challenge you to, to do that. Now, before you panic too much, it's only four small chapters. Uh, in fact, you could have read all of chapter 3 for the sermon while you were sitting here this morning just before uh, the service. It's only uh, the ten small verses. But I want to challenge you to read through this book because there's a lot in it. Uh, we, many of us know the story from when we were young, maybe in Sunday school or whatever, growing up in the church. Maybe you had your little kid's Bible. Some of you still have your kid's Bible and you, you prefer the pictures and stuff to uh, the words. But you remember the story of uh, this man and, and this giant fish and, and God and how uh, this man named Jonah runs away from God and gets swallowed by uh, the big fish. And then he goes on and does uh, what God has asked him to do after he lives in this belly of the, the fish for the three days. But I think if we see this story as just a story about God, a man, and a fish, then we miss a lot of the heart of this gospel message, really, which is in the book of Jonah. Because we've recognized over the last several weeks that this is a book about God's mercy, about His grace, about God's mercy to those who don't follow him, and we saw that uh, in the people of Nineveh who had really turned away from God and were doing their own thing. We saw that in the, the sailors uh, that were in the boat, stuck in the boat with Jonah. Uh, they didn't know God, and yet God showed them mercy and grace, calming the storm and, and saving their life. We see mercy for those who do follow him. And Jonah, how he was running away from God. He, he was called to go and speak to the people of Nineveh to preach against their sins. And to warn them that if they don't change their ways, then God will destroy the city. And yet Jonah, he, he didn't want God to show mercy to these people of Nineveh. He hated the, the Assyrians. He hated the people in the city of Nineveh. And he'd be quite happy for God to wipe them out. They had been tormenting the, the people of Israel for so long. They had been tormenting all the people in the area by their mighty military. And this is a, their capital city is about to be wiped out. Jonah's quite happy about that. So he tries to go the other way. And yet God spares his life and shows him mercy. Even in the belly of a fish, he shows him mercy as Jonah decides to, to trust in him and to follow him and to do what he calls him to do. And so the fish, at the end of our story, last, um, the, the big fish spits Jonah up Onto the, or vomits him up onto the shore. And uh, Jonah cleans himself up and uh, quite happily, in fact, probably skipping along to, to Nineveh, he goes to deliver the message that God's called him to do. And that leads us up to our reading for today. And so join with me if you have your copy of the Scripture. Look with me in Jonah chapter 3. I'll just uh, begin in verse 4. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. He then, then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. 
By the decree of the kings and the nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn his fierce anger so that, he will, so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and he did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Let's just pray. Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for your mercy. And God, for, for prophets like Jonah and, and the book of uh, some of his story in which we can see your mercy played out. God, it's, it's great because we need your mercy. We don't deserve it. But you give it freely, God, for those who will trust in you. Thank you, Lord, for the mercy you have given to us on the cross, bearing our sin and shame. In love you came, God, and showed amazing grace, amazing mercy. Thank you, Lord, for opportunities to open your word together as your church. We pray, God, that you guide us through it. Teach our hearts and challenge us, God, in your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I love stories of God's mercy and His grace probably because I need it so much. And I'm just so thankful for who God is and the, the amazing grace that He gives to us, the amazing mercy He shows us, not only on the cross, but every day of our life. God just keeps on giving and keeps on showing such mercy and grace. I love passages like in the book of Lamentations that says, you know, His mercies are new every morning, so great is His faithfulness. So great is his, his unfailing love. I love that because we need those mercies every day. The mercies for yesterday probably aren't going to be sufficient for today. Uh, we just need His mercy. We need His grace because we just keep on uh, messing up. We keep on stumbling outside of God's will and, and His ways, outside of God's Word. We need that love and compassion, that grace. And God just keeps on keeping on showing that. He's such a merciful God. And we'll see that played out several times in, uh, in Jonah chapter 3. It's only a small passage, only these 10 verses, but there's a lot in there. And it begins in verses 1 to 4. We start to see how God's mercy extends out to everyone. Uh, the first point we see, I think, straight away, uh, Jonah's amazing short message. Now, I think it's pretty clear to most of you that Jonah was not a Baptist because his sermon was only one sentence long. And uh, I've, I've sat through a lot of Baptist churches in my time, uh, both in, uh, in America and Australia, and I've never heard a sermon, sermon this short, and uh, you're probably not going to today, so uh, we've already been past that point. But uh, Jonah's message here is this. He goes around preaching... 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Or 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Pretty simple message, isn't it? He just walks around saying this. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. 
It's a short sermon and a very simple message. Forty more days and you'll be destroyed. But a powerful message in this that struck straight to the heart of the people in Nineveh. You see, they knew their sin. They knew the wrong that they'd been living in. Everybody knew their sin. Nineveh was famous for being a hole of people that just kind of a pit of people who just did the wrong things and who, um, who were just a spot that no one wanted to, uh, to go through, no one wanted to, uh, to live through. Now, I always think of Nineveh, or when I think of Nineveh, I always think of a little place that my mom was raised in. My mom was raised in the, the heart of Mississippi in the southern part of the United States. And uh, she lived in a little bitty tiny town. There's only a couple hundred people or so in the town. Uh, and the town's name is Delo. And that's D hyphen L-O. Okay? Delo, Mississippi. If you look up on a map, you're probably not going to see it. But Delo is just kind of a little speck there on the map. Delo is um, about an hour from Jackson, Mississippi. And it's just this kind of tiny little spot in the road where there's nothing there. There's no shops in Delo. There's no petrol stations in Delo. Uh, there's one church in Delo, so maybe there's a hope for it there. And actually, I think that's actually over the county line into Mendenhall. Uh, but my mom lived right on the county line there in Delo, Mississippi. And I used to think, what an odd name for a place, isn't it? Delo. Oh, Delo must stand for something. Well, they used to have a sign at a restaurant. There was one restaurant in Delo, so everyone ate at that one restaurant. They got good business, I guess. And outside this restaurant, there's a sign uh, talking to someone about the history of Delo. And Delo was at one spot between uh, Jackson and, and the coast, and we said there was just basically nothing there. There was a few people who chose to live there, but there's nothing there. It was kind of a waste of time, and no one wanted to live there. And uh, it was in a low point in the... There's really no hills in, in Mississippi, okay? It's pretty flat, but they, they call it hilly. And they'll say Delo is a, a low spot on the way down to the coast. And literally, the town's name is that damn low spot in the road. Yeah? The Delo, the Delo, Mississippi. A damn low part that no one wants to go to. It's that spot in the road that, but no one, uh, and, and forgive me if you're offended, but no one in, in America that I know of would ever even say the word uh, damn. And so they just, Delo, well, Delo, Mississippi. It's that spot in the road where no one wants to live. No one wants to be caught in because there's just nothing there that's, that's for enjoyment, nothing there that is good. And I think of Nineveh in that. It's that spot in the road where no one wants to live. Everything there is, is bad and is evil and corrupt. It's where all the, the criminals are, where all the baddies hang out. Okay? This is um, Superman or someone would have, would have Nineveh on his radar. Okay? This is where all the baddies are. They're all hanging out there. There are people who have chosen to walk away from God. Everyone knows their sin. They know their sin. And so when Jonah goes around and preaches this simple message and says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned, they knew what they needed to do. And the people immediately fell on their knees before God and repented. You see, here I think is where we start to see the heart of God. Because the 40 more days and then it will be destroyed, is not so much a proclamation or a, a promise of destruction as much as it is a call to repentance. You see, God loves the people of Nineveh. 
Those people who no one else wants to have anything to do with. That city of sin and corruption. The capital of a nation of, of destruction and sin. God loves. And God loves to show mercy to people who don't deserve it. That's evident even here today. God loves showing us mercy. We don't deserve it. It's that undeserved favor of God, the undeserved love and compassion of God. And God reaches out to them. He could have just wiped them off the face of the earth. He could have said, that's it. You've lived in this sin and corruption for too long. That's it. You're gone. And, and, and wiped them out. He brought them onto the earth. He could have brought them off. But God sends Jonah. Why? Because he loves them. Because God's heart says, I know what they deserve. They deserve to be wiped out. They deserve to be destroyed. But I want to give them a chance to receive life. I want to give them a chance to receive mercy. And so he sends Jonah as that messenger to say, 40 more days and you'll be destroyed. And it's a plea from the heart of God for the people to turn. And almost instantly they do. God's call of mercy is to everyone. God's call of mercy is even to the, the vilest of sinners, to the most corrupt, and that is each of us. We sometimes, I think we like to pick who we're going to have a mansion next to up in heaven. You know, and we think, all right, yeah, I'll hang out with him, and yeah, okay, that'll be fun. They can be on my street. And, oh, God, please don't, let, put, don't, please don't put me next to this person. You know, we, we like to pick and choose. I'm not going to look any, any certain direction, okay? When I, 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 I say any comments about anyone, we, of course we all want mansions next to you guys. You are all lovely people. But we like to pick and choose who we want to see in paradise and who we think are good enough to make it. And like it or not, we have sinful hearts that sometimes maybe we hear a news story or we, we read an article uh, online or whatever that might be or we see some of the things that's going on in the world and we think, oh, that person deserves to die. That person deserves to, be su to suffer and to punish. And we think for what they've done to my family or what they've done to our community, what they've done to people around the world, those people deserve to punish. They deserve to die. Some people, and you've heard it said, some people have even said, actually, they don't even deserve to die. That would be too easy. They deserve to suffer. They deserve to punish. To be punished, they deserve to torment. God looks here at some of the worst of the worst. And He says, you deserve punishment. You deserve to be eternally separated. But I want to show you life and hope like you've never known. These sinful things that you've been involved in give these temporary pleasures, temporary enjoyment, temporary fulfillment, but I want to bring peace that will bring fulfillment for all of eternity. I want to show you mercy. And so he gives hope. In these simple words, in 40 more days, Nineveh will be destroyed. He extends his mercy to any and all who will hear him. God's mercy is for all those who trust in Him. Verse 5 to 9 is a beautiful thing. 
one of the, I think the most beautiful passages in all of Jonah is in verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 is when he says, 40 more days and then it will be overturned. Verse 5 very simply says, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Which means it was their cultural way of mourning and of just saying, I, I'm utterly distraught about where my life is. God have mercy on me. They stopped everything they're doing. And they said, we're going to cry out to God. It says, the Ninevites believed in God. You see, they took it far beyond just saying, God, we're sorry. They said, no, we're going to completely surrender to God. We've been going the wrong way. We've been living in this sinful way, this sinful path. We've made a mess out of things. We, we've, we've done a lot of wrong. God, we're sorry. We want to turn and follow you. We, show your mercy to us, God. Show your grace. We want to surrender to you. You see, we talk a lot about repentance as a church. Repentance is more than just saying we're sorry. It's more than remorse. It is a turning from our sin to God. It is turning 180 degrees, completely going in the other direction. It's more than just I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry plus a change. It's complete surrender. The people of Nineveh says from the, the greatest to the smallest began to bow down and to cry out to God for mercy and say, God, I know how I've lived. I know the wrong that I've done. Forgive me. I'm yours. I want to surrender completely to you. Now, Nineveh was probably not a, a huge city. We're not talking about the size of, of Sydney or uh, whatever. But the entire people in this city, from the youngest to the oldest, from the greatest to the smallest, says life was changed. From the king of the leader down. We mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago that the city of Nineveh is probably only a, a few kilometers from one side to the other. So when it talks more about 120,000 people or so uh, in verse 4, it's probably talking about not only in the city but all around the city inside the walls and outside uh, the whole region that was changed because of this simple message because they decided to trust in God and believe in Him. The Bible says here, the king issued a decree and said, everyone must fast. The, the, all the people, all the animals, let's let the entire nation, the entire city, the entire people in this region show that we are humble before God. Now, there was no king necessarily of, of Nineveh because Nineveh is a city, it's the capital city. Uh, they're the Assyrian people, but it says the king issued this d the decree. So I don't know if it's the Assyrian king, but the, the leader in the city issued this d the, the decree. It says everyone must fast. And everyone must show that we are fully repentant, that we're fully submissive to God, that we've decided to leave our own way of sin, our old way of sin, and trust to follow God. And maybe, just maybe, God will show mercy. 
And I love this. I love this because in verse 9, the king's crying out and he's saying, maybe if we do all this, maybe if we just show that we're truly submitting to God, we're sorry for the wrong that we've done and we want to choose to follow God in His ways, maybe He will show mercy. Verse 10 says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He had compassion and He did not bring on them the destruction that He threatened. God's mercy is available and it's available without hesitation. Verse 10 says, the moment he saw what they had done, the moment he, he heard the cries really from their hearts, he showed mercy. God is just. And he recognizes there must be punishment for sin. God said, 40 more days and you'll be destroyed. And, and God would have destroyed the city because of their sin. But God's desire... It's not that any should perish, but that all can have eternal life. We all know Romans 6.23 that says, The payment for sin is death. And God is a just God and sees that through. We saw in the Old Testament the story of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, which they are, are wiped out because of their sin, because not a single righteous person there there was no one that was going to follow God. And God wiped them out because of their sin. God is a God who is just and recognizes that payment for sin must be there. But He's also a God of mercy, not willing that any should perish, but that all can have eternal life. And that the second part of Romans 6.23, when it says the payment for that sin is death, but it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He paid the price on the cross he died. There's still the payment for the sin. Christ died on our behalf. He died not for anything that He had done. He was the only perfect one, the only one without sin, the pure and spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He paid the price so that we could have life. And so no matter who you are or what you've done or for how long or, or how many times, there's mercy for you here today just like there was mercy for the people of Nineveh. There's mercy for a city of sin. There's mercy for people who had turned their back on God over and over, who had persecuted the people of God, who had killed the people of God, who had ransacked the cities of God. The people that no one else in the region would have showed mercy to you. God says, you have turned to me and you've repented of your sin. You surrender to me and I will show to you mercy like you can't imagine. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I don't deserve that sort of love. I don't deserve that sort of mercy. I want to say, well, welcome to the club because none of us do. None of us are righteous, not even one. But God shows us mercy. He knows us completely. And yet He still loves us completely. He knows those wrongs. He knows those wrong paths that you've been on. He's seen the darkness that is in your heart and in your life. He knows you better than your spouse. He knows you better than your family. He knows you better than your coworkers or your friends. God knows you completely. And yet He still longs 
to show you mercy. And all it takes is for you to, to turn to Him, to ask for that forgiveness for sin. The moment we turn to God, He just embraces us with mercy and grace and love. Yes, for the way you've lived, for the wrong that you've done, you deserve to be separated from God. You deserve to be punished. Some of us pretty severely for how we've lived. But God says, I have paid the price for that sin. And I just want you to show, I want to show you mercy. I want to show you grace. I'm just going to ask our, our musos to come this time. I'm going to be standing down front here. And if you feel God tugging at your heart and saying it's time that you make a change, then I want to ask that you surrender to Him today. And you will find mercy, amazing mercy, amazing grace from God today. I want to challenge you to give your heart to Him. Trust Him with your life. He's waiting with arms open wide. Will you receive His gift of love today? God's dealing with your heart in any way. Don't delay. He wants to pour His mercy into your life today. Won't you let Him? I want to read for you a beautiful passage in Psalm 103, verse 8 to 13. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not, accuse, he will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Stand, if you will, and join us as we sing a song it's inspired by that great chapter, Psalm 103, 10,000 Reasons. If God's dealing with your heart this morning, come and follow Him. Yeah.